0: Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper
1: deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh, mercy. Five, four, three, two, one. The first homestand is in the books, and boy, was it eventful. Hello, everyone. Welcome into the Mass and All Access podcast. Bobby Blanco, Paul Mancano here to recap the Nationals' first homestand of the 2019 season. They exit 2-4. and And, Paul, the uh, last couple, what, 24 hours we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon have been just nonstop drama and action on the baseball field. A lot of drama. From Bryce Harper's return to D.C. to the Nats blowing out the Phillies today and then giving up the lead and then coming back to walk it off on a bases-loaded walk by rookie Jake Knoll this afternoon to salvage a split. Um, we're going to hear from Bryce Harper in his press conference before yesterday's game, and we're going to hear some highlights from um, him facing Max Scherzer for the first time in an actual game. But, Paul, we got to talk about you know what yesterday just meant to the Nationals and to D.C. and to the Phillies, really. Um, Bryce Harper coming back. As a Philly, after seven years in D.C., as an in a Nats uniform,
0: it's cliche to call it a breakup, which
1: because we've seen everybody right.
0: call, you know, yeah, hey, yeah, it's just like, but it's it in this scenario, I do I do think it apl- a lot of the similarities apply here because it's it just feels like an uncomfortable breakup. Yeah, if you know, it, would the would Nationals fans have the same reaction to Bryce Harper if he went, if he signed in say December and he went to the Dodgers. I, I don't think so. Yeah. I think, I think it was twofold. It wasn't just the fact that he went to a, a division rival that he's going to f- they're going to face 19 times a year. I think it's the fact that we heard it drawn out so much. Um, the fact that it, it took until February and the Nats were rumored to be in it and then they were out and then they were in then they were out and it uh, it took so long to materialize. The fact that we heard the rep- you know the reports about them offering 300 million for 10 years or whatever it was, but it wasn't really 300 million because a lot of that money was deferred. The fact that there was so much drama around it, I think nationals fans in a way have um, in for, for better or worse, Bryce Harper has been the center of attention with DC and with the nationals and nationals fans have had to put up with the good and bad sides of that. When, you know, they get unwanted attention when he does or says something controversial and for it all to happen so dramatically, his signing to happen at the end of February, for him to come out and you know raise his fist with the fanatic, for him to have an unbelievable home stand, I think it was the confluence of all those things happening that made their reaction what it was.
1: Yeah, and and um, I've been going back and forth myself, just like how do I feel about this? Because on paper, you look at it, Bryce Harper. Made the right decision going to the Philadelphia Phillies because,
0: from a business standpoint, absolutely.
1: From the from what we know now in terms of all the contracts and all the money that was being offered or thrown around between the Nationals and Boris and then the Phillies and Boris and Bryce Harper, you know, it's plain as day that the Phillies were the better offer, and you should obviously go to that. Yep. And and you know, I thank you for your service. Now, everyone getting hurt about or upset about not getting a thank you note from Bryce Harper. He said yesterday in his pregame presser that his plan all along was to post it on the day he returned to Nats Park, right? Regardless of whether he was coming back, going to another team, or whether it was at the end of last season or the beginning of this season, like that was always his plan. And I just think that's, I don't know, I for as a DC guy, I, I just thought it was kind of just petty for people to like be yep. so butthurt and and desperate for a thank you. Yep, and also like. Yes. What Bryce Harper meant to this organization can't be unacknowledged, you know, not not acknowledged because it's, you know, a number one overall draft pick, an MVP type guy, uh, uh, the face of the franchise, one of the most popular, if not the most popular player in all of baseball. and, And thank you for your service. But also, like, what did he really accomplish here? He had a rookie of the year campaign. 13. He was hurt. 14, he was fine when they made the playoffs. Now, he had great postseasons. 15 was the MVP year, historic year. Thank you very much for that. 16 was down again. Um, 17, he was fine. He was not way more than fine. He was fantastic leading up until he got hurt late late in the season, was probably MVP of the NL before he got hurt. And then last year, for the most part, for three quarters of the season, he was awful. And so it's like, what are we really celebrating here? Because he... Never won a playoff series. Now, he performed well in the playoffs by himself, but never won a playoff series here. I I just didn't understand why so many Nationals fans were, one, so upset they didn't get a thank you, and then, two, just booed him right off the bat.
0: Yeah, I think the booing is interesting, and I I think, like I said, there's a lot that goes into it. In terms of what he accomplished here, though, it, it to me it goes way, way beyond the numbers. And I think there's been a lot of revisionist history when it comes to Bryce Harper's career with the Nationals. I saw a tweet this morning about, oh, Bryce Harper was a career 211 postseason hitter. He never won a playoff series. Number one, it's a it's a team sport. Correct. Uh, and number two, he spent the beginning seven years of his career in D.C. Those. I mean, he started when he was 19 years old. And, you know, we know that he was incredibly productive. The expectations were high for him. Um, but he was playing at the beginning of his career. In theory, a player enters his prime around his 25, 26 years, and it goes up until what? He's like 31. Mm-hmm. So he put up unbelievable numbers considering these were his pre prime years. Yeah. Uh, and they were incredible numbers, but to me, Bryce Harper's impact in DC was way, way beyond the numbers. He put DC baseball on the map. Yeah, for all that Steven Strasburg did as a you know a number one pick, Bryce Harper did fifteen times more than that. He was he brought the national spotlight to the Nationals. He put them on the map. He gave a, a franchise its first identity that they didn't have. They had no identity. They they were known as a bad new team in DC for so long and he put them on the map and made them the center of attention to me that is he he—he got fans to the ballpark he brought uh, you know he he got them a lot of national recognition to me what Bryce Harper did is you know I, I think it's to say oh he didn't you know he doesn't deserve applause or anything because he didn't accomplish much I completely reject that i I don't agree with that at all
1: yeah I'm not saying he didn't uh, see, and I, this goes back. I'm just teetering back and forth. I, I just don't right. know. how Like we were up in the press box during the whole game, and obviously no cheering in the press box. I don't. I honestly don't know how I would have reacted if I were watching that game as a fan. Yeah. In like in the stands or even back at home. Like it. It was very surreal. Especially the, the weirdest moment for me was the post game sitting in the press conference room, and he walks in in his Phillies gear and sits down and is like. Wow, he is really a Philly. Like yeah. he, it's I can see it with my eyes. Right, he's twenty feet in front of me. Yeah. So that was pretty crazy. No, I I I agree with everything you're saying. That's why I'm kind of going back and forth. with Everything's because, yes, he he meant a lot to this franchise and into this city. Mm-hmm. Um, he should be celebrated. Then again, you know, it, I, I guess my point is like it, it's not like he won like three MVPs in a World Series and then just decided to bolt. I totally get booing that that kind of attitude. But yeah. it's like, yes, the team sport, but, you know, he, his ultimate goal is winning a World Series. Okay, he didn't accomplish that goal here. And, and True. they didn't really even come
0: close. True, but how many great players do we see in baseball not win a World Series? Right. and Ichiro never especially, won a World Series. Yeah, and especially at the ages that he – when he was competing in those playoff series, he was 19 years old, 21 years old, uh, 23 years old, and 24 years old. Mm-hmm. Come on, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. he was already the se- offensive centerpiece of his team, so he wasn't able to lead that he took, you know, they went to multiple game 5. It's a team sport. Also,
1: he hit 211. Fine. He also hit five home runs and drove in 10. Runs. Exactly. So it's like exactly. I mean, the 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 Nationals to paint him
0: as this guy that that flounders in the playoffs and does like yeah, That's completely incorrect. It's I mean, this is a guy incorrect. who that
1: always shows up on the big stage. We saw that last yeah. night. I exactly. mean, last night was the big stage. The, exactly. the baseball world was watching his return, and what do you know, he I yeah. mean, it wasn't against Max Scherzer, but he destroyed a ball over 450 feet, yeah, almost 460 feet. Um, just, I mean, he shows up in big moments. He, he's that type of player. And, that, and that's also like a type of player that you would want in a franchise. Like, you know, and, and the raw emotion. The whole time I was thinking, you know, look at what he's doing on the field tonight. This is on, on Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. Like, the raw emotion he's showing, you know, the double, the the little wave thing that he does with the, all, all the failures do you now. You know, him bowing for the Phillies fans in right field. Looks
0: like young Bryce again. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And, like, I, I I don't see Mike Trout doing anything like that. Like, Mike Trout is probably the best player on the planet right now. But, I mean, he just doesn't have that showmanship. And I think oh, yeah. that's why, you know, the seven years here, DC fell in love with him. And why Philly fans immediately fell in love with him when he came to Philly. He's just that type of showman. You know, he he wears his emotions on the sleeve when he's on the field and people love to see that passion. So yes, he meant a lot to the franchise. Um but the same I mean, I don't know. There's so many different ways to look at it, though his com his him coming back and I just kind of get tied up. Uh I I think like last week during their f- the Phillies' first home stand and you know, obviously he had a great home stand. He hit those two monstrous home runs and, and the Phillies won all 3. Uh but I just kept thinking, you know, just reading what he said like in 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 his interviews and talking about how much he loved Philly and how much like he you know this is what he's always wanted I get that but it's like hold on pump the brakes you've been there for not even a month right Like yeah. <laughs> oh, he can't he's, have he's going head first right into the yeah media. and and we know that we we've interacted with him in the past seven years he 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 sticks to the script but and I was just kind of like that kind of bothered me and I was like all right you're you're all in on Philly I get that still no thank you I'm not that upset about it but like. Like acknowledge it maybe, um, but then he posts his thank you on Tuesday morning, and then we talk. We heard from him pregame, and I was just like, "Oh man, I do actually like 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 this guy," right. and and I hope he gets received well tonight. And and he, that wasn't the case.
0: Yeah, and I thought fans would at least be more split. I thought we were going to hear some booze mixed in with the some. The weather cheers. didn't help. What's
1: that? The weather didn't help. But the crowd showed up. They were already annoyed. Uh, 35,000 people or something.
0: I think the only cheers we really heard were from the Philly fans, mostly uh, centered in right field. But let's listen to the first at-bat when Max Scherzer struck out Bryce Harper. First of two strikeouts, Max striking out Bryce Harper. And Max with 85 on the off-speed strikes him out.
1: So that makes it sound like I mean it was all Nats fan. I mean yeah. that was loud. Yeah. Everyone was real into It the, felt like a playoff. Oh, it happens. really yeah. did. I mean everyone that was in the bottom of the top of the first inning. Yeah. And everyone was on their feet. Everyone right. was watching. Yeah. It, it was chilly out. It was cold. Um the excitement had been around town all day yeah. waiting for that moment and, and then for Max to strike him out, uh was, was pretty pretty intense. Yeah. And I
0: think that um definitely you can you know, I think Personally, I think that the cheering of the strikeout is, is fine because you were cheering something, you know, that's actually good for your team. I totally get that. It's just the booing at the beginning of the game that I had a problem with. Um, and I thought that a lot of – I just – I expected more fans to cheer um, because I, I talked about what he meant to the franchise and him kind of putting them on the map. And, Bobby, you even said at the beginning, him going to the Phillies for that deal was – by far and away the best offer that he had on the table yeah. and f- way not even in the ballpark of the offer that the Nationals gave him yeah. according to reports right. according to reports they offered him 300 quote unquote million dollars yeah. that actually ended up being 107 million dollars if you take away if you you know, Add adjust up, for
1: all the all the deferred money exactly. and the calculation so if, if it is not even close, math.
0: if he is you know I, I understand competitiveness and not wanting a, a, to go to a division rival because it's a team that you face all the time. but if he went with the best offer on the table, and the the comparison I think of is is Jason Worth and Bobby, I've heard you rip Phillies fans, and I think it's absolutely right to rip Phillies fans for booing Jason Worth whenever he came back to town. They did that for 7 years. Whenever Jason Worth came back to Philadelphia, he got booed. And that wasn't every Phillies fan, but it was pretty loud every single time. Jason Worth took the best offer by a lot. There were reports the Phillies didn't even make an offer, and he took a deal that was $125, $126 million million right. at the time. That was the best offer. It was it was an overpay, and the Nats knew it, but they had to do it. So, why can we why are we ripping Phillies fans for booing Jason Wirth, when he took the best offer, he made a smart business decision and also booing Bryce Harper at the same time for making a smart decision and making a good business decision. To me, it's it's the same principle.
1: What you're saying, why are we ripping Phillies fans for booing? Yeah, you can't. And, and we're not ripping Nats fans for booing? Yeah. You, you. No, I am ripping Nats fans for booing. I I don't think they should have booed. I mean, I, I understand I expected, being conflicted. I didn't expect it to be that. I mean, I really thought it'd be more 50-50 down the middle being like... I agree. You would hear cheers and boos. Maybe even... Closer to, like, 60-40 cheers
0: to booze? Well, when we talked to fans we over the weekend, we went around the concourse and asked fans if they were going to that game, how would they react. Right. Most of them said they would cheer him. Yeah. And I I, I just got the sense that they were going to give him a, a some kind of – ovation i think part of it was the philly fans coming in and they wanted to but even
1: with the philly you figured the philly fans would cheer him i mean it was drowned out in booze and it was. It, we were in the press it box was. the windows were closed and we could clearly hear the yeah. booze and it was loud and and I, that surprised me because i really thought that it would be closer to 50 a split if not leaning more a little more especially in the like you mentioned earlier booing cheering for the strikeout as you know, soon as he steps to the plate, he's the enemy. Boo all you want. Yeah. But like pregame ceremony, they had this, the tribute video on the on the big screen, and I mean, you couldn't even hear the music that yeah. was playing because it, it was being booed the entire time. It was resounding. Um. I, I, again, I keep going back and forth about like how I feel about this, and I think as I sit right now, I I really wish the Nats would have appreciated or given him applause. I know I have friends that said boo him. Um. The, also, look, I get it going in the same division that's tough worth of the same thing the other way but it's also i mean i just come back to to me this the contract and it's not like the nationals had a similar deal like they're not not, they're not similar it It, wasn't even close. if it was 300 million over 10 years without deferred money and bryce went to philly just for 30 million dollars more okay that's a different discussion we can talk about wow he just left for the money yeah what's 30 million to you But it 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 wasn't that's not the situation. It wasn't close to two hundred million, right? And so that's not a that's not a a discussion to be had. There's there's no discussion there. It's it's plain as day. Um, And and if that were the case, where there were semi equal or semi comparable then, yeah, boo him for, for leaving. I, I totally get that. Yeah. But, I mean, he made the business. He's also, you know, his wife posted on Twitter and Instagram that they're expecting their first child. I mean, he he made this decision not just for him but for his family. We knew that all along. Like, yeah. it wasn't just going to be a baseball decision. It was going to be, obviously, he wants to win, but he was also going to go try and, and, and secure, uh, you know, have some insurance for him and his his family for for the near and long term.
0: Yeah, exactly. And how did Bryce himself react to all this stuff? He came in saying he knew he figured he was going to get some booze, but he figured there would be some cheers as well. Um, but he talked before the game. It was an absolute. It was mayhem in the uh, the press box room where everybody was uh, setting up cameras. Oh my god! It was everybody. We were, we were like ta-
1: kicked yeah. off the stand. Yeah, yeah, it was it was uh, chaos. Everyone so was there.
0: Bryce Harper talked uh, before the game. Uh, about coming back to Nationals Park.
2: Anytime you leave somewhere, you uh, you know think about coming back and things like that. Um, you know, like I said, played those three days uh, in Philly and tried to make sure you know I took those three days in and really enjoyed that, um, and then turned the page to you know coming here for the next two. So um, definitely weird uh, taking that drive up, uh, you know, to come down here and things like that. Um, but you know, very excited for my next chapter and uh, looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, he spent a lot of this press conference talking about looking forward to the next chapter and you know trying to turn the page. Which
2: I
1: get. Yeah, yep. you're about to go play the team. You know, it's it's a competition. Like you can't be always looking behind. He, I think he, I mean, Price Harper is. I mean, he's one of the most planned out people I've ever seen. Like he he plans everything to a T. Yeah. Like I, that. Like even his good thank you post to dc was was yeah it looked like it was pre-planned written pre- yeah two months yeah. ago yeah and so he knew exactly what he was saying he knew exactly what he was doing and i think that was the right way to approach it like say what well, you say all the good things and nice things you can about dc but also you can't linger on it you got to look ahead because you're with a new team now and you're about to go play a game yeah and you got to keep you got to keep moving forward i totally get that
0: yeah absolutely and uh he also talked about you know the kind of reaction he was going to get and also that the fact that he was going to be, you know, coming into the Vixers dug out, all the things that are different about it—not standing next to his teammates during the national anthem, all that kind of stuff—he uh, touched on that kind of the emotional side of it.
2: Very good memories here. Um, I've always said, you know, <clears throat> I wish the, you know, guys in that clubhouse nothing but the best. Um, very excited to see what all those guys do. Excited to watch Juan Soto's, you know, career unfold. Um, see what he does, and um, a lot of other guys in that clubhouse. So um, very excited for them. You know, seeing Max on the mountain tonight, um, you know, Trey at short, um, you know, Rendon at third, things like that, um, and me not standing behind them, um, you know, it's, it's definitely going to be weird. Um, but I'm looking forward to that. You know, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, running out there and, and doing my job for the Philadelphia Phillies, and uh, I'm excited for that next chapter. I'm excited for that next routine of going to, you know, Citizens Bank Park every single day. Um you know, anytime you you go into you know division and things like that, um, it's not going to change. You know, walking into the Mets or the Braves or anything like that. But um, you know, like walking in today, it was definitely different. Um, so I think every time I walk in, it's going to be a little weird. Um, but I think the more and more we play here, um, the more different it's going to be, or the more you know, not different it's going to be.
1: 13 years 13 years 13 years going to be doing that. Yeah.
2: And that
0: uh, you know we mentioned Jason Worth earlier, it's going to be for almost twice as long as that. You wow. know, as by by the end of the of Jason Worth's um, you know time with the Nationals, him coming back to Philly was less and less of a story despite the you know other than the fact that he was a Philly killer for yeah. most of his time with the Nationals. So imagine that stretched out for 6 more years <laughs> after yeah. that. It, it's going to be a, it's going to be a footnote. Um, by the time this rival, you know, he, he's been there for ten years.
1: Yeah, it's it's every Nationals fans' biggest fear is yeah. is Bryce Harper just becoming a Nats tormentor well, for thirteen seasons. That's thirteen seasons.
0: The thing he finished uh, his quick two game series with the Phillies at Nationals Park. I think he was five for seven with a homer, a double, uh, three walks. Two of those were intentional. He absolutely torched them. And you know, the first two at bats were awesome for Nats fans. The the two strikeouts, but beyond that. Bryce Harper owned the Nationals this he's, week.
1: He's leaving DC riding in eight on base streak, like eight appearances, played appearance on base streak. Yeah. So and that's one short <laughs> not of not a game streak. No, no, no. <laughs> appearances and which is one short of his personal best, which he did twice with the Nationals yeah. in his career. So yeah, no, he again, that's everyone's biggest fear in D C was him just becoming that guy. Like a la worth in Philly, a la Daniel Murphy in the Mets. Just Destroying his opponent. Um, And now, and you know, those were short lived. Murphy Murphy was only here for what, three seasons? Jason Worth was not as long as 13 13 years. years. So, game one of 247 goes to Bryce Harper and the Phillies. But the Nationals did get it back today on Wednesday, day game on the getaway day before the uh, the Nats head up to New York for the Mets home opener. Um, It was a wild one. The Nationals offense showed up. Um Anibal Sanchez got his made his Nationals debut only went through four gave up four runs um, and, and the Nationals at one point blew a 6-2 lead battled back to tie it and go into the ninth and Jake Noah again walked it off for a with a with a walk with the bases loaded of walk. walk off walk. walk off walk off and uh, the Nationals were able to escape with a 9-8 win Paul the Nationals are 2-3 and three. I misspoke earlier 2-4 and four. they're 2-3 and three. They're lucky to be two and three right now because they have some yeah. serious, serious bullpen issues, and um, they their current bullpen. I mean, I know it's only five games into the season, but they have by far the highest ERA in all of Major League Baseball eleven point oh two ERA in just five games. They've given up twenty runs in sixteen and a third innings. You don't want to see that from a bullpen at all, especially when your starting staff, yeah. like the Nationals have, haven't been quite up to snuff.
0: Yeah, well, in the two uh, games that they have won, the bullpen has also blown leads. Yeah. Uh, The first game, you know, Trey Turner hitting that walk-off, that saved the storyline from being the bullpen blew it. Yeah, yeah, it is hugely concerning, and we talked about on the last podcast, the issues from last season create this stigma that hangs over the next season. You know all the things that plagued them last year. It's already in the back of our minds that they're going to struggle from from the same things, and they haven't done anything to prove otherwise. They, the bullpen looks like it's it's going off to a tough tougher start even this year than it did last year. And the bullpen was one of the biggest downfalls of last year's team. Um, definitely, definitely concerning um, the fact that, and it's uh, you know the fact that we, we knew a lot of the pieces coming back were not awesome pieces, but it's the new guys struggling that has been concerning. The fact that Tony Sipp, and I know they got him super late in spring training right up against opening day, the fact that he has made three appearances and has a 16 ERA. Yeah. The fact that Trevor Rosenthal has not even recorded an out yet yeah. in three appearances. He looks nothing like the guy they were hoping they were going to get that was going to have 99 fi- mile an hour fastball that was going to blow everybody away. It's th- These new guys have have not come close, and it begs the question, did Mike Rizzo do enough for this bullpen?
1: Yeah. Quick math question: Do you know Trevor Rosenthal's ERA?
0: Well, if he hasn't recorded an out, it's
1: gotta be sideways eight infinity. Yep, because you have to do some division by zero, which of course you cannot do. So that's pretty interesting. I always thought that was funny. <laughs> um, baseball reference literally says INF. <laughs> <It's> like, that's <laughs> yeah. that's nuts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, and you took the words right out of my mouth. And, You know, the the question is: all right, is this isn't good enough. Is this good enough? It's probably not. It doesn't look like it's only five games in the season. Yeah. How – and we've seen this before, too. We talked to uh, Mark Zuckerman yesterday at, at Nats Park while, um, you know, doing our all Access show before uh, Bryce Harper's return, and he mentioned, you know, this feels a lot like beginning of 2017 where the bullpen is just can't keep keep it together, so it's going to rely on the offense have going to have to outscore the opponent. Yeah. And in the two times they've been able to do it, they've barely been able to do it. They've been putting up runs, but then the bullpen gives them right back, yeah. and then the offense has to bail them out on the walk-off. Your only two wins coming off in walk-off fashion is, while exciting, not the best way to go about winning baseball games. So um, it's it's interesting. Uh, how often can Mike Rizzo, I don't want to say band-aid, but patch up right. a bullpen with, I also don't want to say have-beens, but just older guys who... Maybe on the downside of the career, coming off serious injuries. Yeah. I mean, it just seems like it's not. It hasn't been a major concern over the past couple of off seasons, yeah. and you know, it's it's starting to hurt them.
0: Definitely, and especially as you see some of the better teams in baseball, like the Yankees, load up on bullpen. I mean, they arguably done too much. Uh, to to bolster their bullpen, just getting guys that they can throw out there because they know they're going to hit get yeah. hit with injuries or some guys are not going to live up to their hype because the you know b- relievers are year to year. I also think it's interesting because last year Davey Martinez got plenty of f- flack f- from the outside and from the inside even about bullpen management mm-hmm. and how he was using guys. This year, it's already been a, b- a bit of bit of a storyline. I think he's thrown the wrong guys in there at the wrong times. Um, you know, it was a concern the first game of the season when we kept Max Scherzer in for too long and then put guys in a tough situation. But it was also the story last year where, at a certain point, guys just weren't doing their jobs. Yeah, at a certain point, he who el- he didn't have any other options. Right. He had to go with a Wander Swear or he had to go with a struggling Ryan Madsen or Brandon Kinsler or someone like that. I mean, today, you know, in the game today. Is he supposed to ignore Trevor Rosenthal, the the, the guy they signed in the offseason for what seven million dollars? Is he supposed to not throw out Kyle Bericlaw who they traded for? like you have to you have to at some point trust the guys that you have there. He threw out, what was it, six different relievers today? And Sean Doolittle obviously has been awesome. And he was awesome last year, and he's you know, is the best reliever they have in the bullpen by a lot. But at some point, you have to use other guys. Yeah, And if uh, guys aren't doing their jobs, that's not on Davey. To me, that there's something wrong with either the, the guys that Mike Rizzo was finding or um, you know the, the fact that he is trying to, as you mentioned, go in the bargain bin for a lot of these guys. So it, it is a huge concern. And the fact that it has repeated itself now year after year, and especially coming off the serious woes that the bullpen had last year, uh, it's concerning. And it, it, it falls both on Davey Martinez's shoulders and the way he uses them, but also Mike Rizzo and the guys that he brings into the building.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's a double-edged sword because, yeah, you would like the manager to be able to smartly use these guys and place them in good positions to succeed, but at the same time, those guys have to do their jobs yep. and make their pitches. Um, interesting thing that happened on Tuesday night, I'm just looking back, and, and this is kind of where last night got a, really got away from the Nationals, was in, in the sixth, you bring in Wander Suero to replace Max Scherzer, and he only faces three guys, gets one out. He's supposed to be one of your guys who can contribute as a long man, yeah. Um, in in middle re- inning relief, and he only gets one out, and you let him get one out, and then after that, make Matt Grace comes on, and and, and uh, everything kind of goes, you know, kind of blows up in their faces. They allow four runs, and the game gets away from them. And, and uh, I don't know. That's just that was interesting to me, just because why put Wander there in the be- in, in the first place if we're just gonna let him get one out and face three guys. Right. Now, now maybe it's Wander's job. He faced three guys. He, those were supposed to be his three outs, and he didn't do it. But yeah, it, it's just an interesting—not interesting. It's kind of a not a good way to go about yeah. <laughs> starting. And because again, we we've, we've seen the offense struggle, and so you know the pitching has to pick up the slack. They're not pitching well, so the games get away from them. Even when the offense does well, the bullpen still can't pick up the slack and, and lets the game get back. In, into danger of, of being lost, like we saw today. Right, you know the Phillies scored six unanswered runs to take an eight six lead late in the game, and if not for uh, a throwing error, they probably lose the game. Yeah. So uh, it, it's it needs to be addressed. It's only two series. It's only five games. I get that, but it's like we've we talked about last episode and, and today too. Too much of the same from last season. We know how the story goes. We 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 went through. Uh, spring training emphasizing defense, based running, and relief pitching, mm-hmm. and all three of those things have not come to yeah, fruition that's, so yeah, far this season. Yeah,
0: Victor Robles getting picked off, Wilmer uh,
1: Defoe getting picked off, three
0: pickoffs in that that game. Yeah. yeah, it's not looking good in terms of what what they preached, what they came out and said their message in spring training. It, it has not come to fruition, but uh, it also is going to be interesting because last year at this point. Um or you know, a, a month or two into the season they really the Nats really struggled in June and that kind of um took them out of first place and, and put them several games behind. But mid May they were very much still expecting to at least, you know, get a wild card spot or be in, in at the top of the division, and they went out and traded for Kelvin Herrera because the bullpen needed a little bit of a boost. If the Nationals keep playing about five hundred baseball at you know, do they is Mike Rizzo going to say we need to make a trade and try to get a bullpen guy? And are are we going to try to go all in on this year again? Or is he going to start to struggle from PTSD from last year (laughs) and start saying maybe this team isn't good enough again. Maybe we have to do a half sell at the deadline. Yeah. So I I, I think it's going to be interesting because they obviously need bullpen pieces and they need them right now. And everyone is going to, you know, scream for, um, for uh, Craig, Kimbrel. Craig Kimbrel. and I'm just about to
1: say that everyone's screaming yep. for him. What What's he really going to do right now? Right. Keep in mind that's, he hasn't had a spring training. Yeah, so exactly. he's weeks behind already. Yeah. Um, yeah, in terms of being ready to pitch in the major leagues. And we
0: saw with Greg Holland last year how you know he was another guy who signed late and it took took him forever um, to get back on track. And we saw with a bunch of guys. Yeah. So um, you know they they have to make a move now. So even if they go out and sign Craig Kimbrell, that's not a move that's going to help them for probably at least a month. Um, and it you know it might it's going to have questionable um, you know res- returns yeah. as is and he's probably still going to want a whole lot of money so um, there's just not an obvious move right now and um, they need to make a move now and if they if you know it's it's tough to make a move in April or May um, but if they just if you get a month into the season two months into the season and your bullpen's still killing you and you're still about five hundred. Are you going to want to make that kind of
1: move? Right. It's a sticky situation because it's half guys aren't doing – guys half you know, Davy not really having pieces because guys aren't doing their jobs and yeah. half Davy maybe making some questionable decisions in terms of who he's putting in. You know, outside of opening day with Max and maybe Patrick Corbin's first start, starting pitching hasn't really been great enough to like, all right, you got us – Six innings. Now we can lay out a plan for the seventh, eighth, ninth, um, and hopefully that'll change this weekend in New York because they do have three of their top guys going. Strasburg tomorrow on Thursday and Mets home opener. Off yeah. day Friday. Corbin goes again Saturday and Scherzer on Sunday. Yeah. So hopefully those your your top three aces can it can get deeper into games and allow Davy also with an off day that helps to allow Davy to place bullpen guys in the right position to succeed and close out games. The way that they would like to exactly that we haven't that, seen yet.
0: That's the other side of the coin. Is is that the if you invest this much into your starting rotation, you're expecting to, them to give you more than six innings. Yeah, um, and that's just the way it is. And I, I know every game now is played where you you start to go six innings. At, you know, best case scenario, you go six innings and then you have a seven, eight, nine guy. Right, but if you go all in on your rotation and you spend a hundred and forty million dollars on Patrick Corbin and you have a huge contract for, uh, Steven Strasburg and obviously Max Scherzer, 210 million. They have to eat up more innings than the average rotation. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and they're taking up that much money and you're just, you're also not spending that much money on the bullpen. So they, they have to go deeper as well into games. Um, not that they haven't been okay so far. They've been fine. Um, Strasburg really struggled, uh, in his first appearance, but, um, you just would eat, expect them to eat up uh, more innings than they are doing right now.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of a pick your poison. Do you, do you want your starting rotation to be studded and and, and locking good guys, retiring guys, or do you want your bullpen to be able to, you know, lock up games? Ideally, be both. But yeah. right now, it feels like a pick your poison type thing. Yeah, exactly, you can't have one or the other. Ideally, again, it'll be both. All right, Paul, let's get out of here right now. Um, again, the Nationals are. In New York, facing the Mets for the second time in a week. Mets home opener tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Night's it's actually pregame show starting at 12.30 on and 2. I believe Saturday's on Masson and Sunday's on Masson 2 back. Um, all 1 o'clock starts, so that's kind of fun. You get afternoon baseball all weekend with an off day in between. Yep. Uh, Paul, where can people find you on Twitter? At Paul Mancano, Bobby. At Bobby underscore Blanco. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, to the Masson All Access podcast.